time for seafood news. Welcome to the Seafood News Podcast. I'm Seafood News Managing Editor Amanda Buckle. And I'm Erna Berry Market Reporter Lauren Castiglione. This week's episode of the Seafood News Podcast is brought to you by Erna Berry's Excel add-in. Save time and improve your report building by streamlining supply and price data directly into your spreadsheets. Call 732-240-5330 to learn more about the Excel add-in. This is of absolute no importance, but I still want to talk about it anyway. <laughs> um, Thursday was take your child to work day. So Lauren, you know, you brought How it. How dare you say no importance? importance. <laughs> <laughs> well, like compared to like actual news. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. But um, I brought my two and a half year old daughter, Emma, in and, and Lauren, you brought in your three year old son, Christian. And it was chaotic as expected, but it was so much fun. It was fun. And I had... All these grand plans, as mothers usually do, about, you know, our watch us eat video and everything. And well, we'll see the magic that Maria can do. But (laughs) we have a great editor, um, but I'm not sure how much she could (laughs) she could help that video. It's like I had I had. Yeah, I had a lot of high hopes for the video. I love doing our watch us eat videos. Um, But of course, you know, the kids didn't exactly cooperate on camera. And it actually, I mean, it was pretty much what I deal with it at home on a nightly basis. It's true. It's true. (laughs) Hashtag keeping it real. Yeah. Emma did take some bites. I don't know if we got that on camera because then the battery started dying. I I think Emma took some bites of the tuna melt afterwards. Um, But I'm not sure. Christian took a bite of the, the salmon slider before we started and then refused on screen. And then, yeah, Emma wouldn't try the taco, which... Emma, like, will eat my, like, halibut dinner, which bothers me because I'm like, this is something that I really enjoy. <laughs> and I'm like, eat the eat the other stuff I put on your plate. But I just keep giving her my halibut and she'll, she'll like, you know, she'll eat the entire filet at home. Um, but I think there was maybe, maybe a lot of pressure with the camera on them. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how it turns out. But we did record another Watch Us Eat. It was featuring Premier Catch, um, which is, you know, a female-owned, family-owned, uh, you know, uh, seafood company that sells high quality wild uh, seafood from the Northwest and they ship it directly to your door. And if you haven't checked them out, they are fantastic. Like I said, I've, I've ordered stuff on my own and then they sent us um, some product to the office and their halibut is so good. And I, I for the first time I had, um, I ordered myself uh, Alaska scallops and I always get, you know, cause we live right on the Jersey shore. So we have the, the Barnegat, um, well, you know, we had the Viking Village scallops and I love Viking Village scallops, but uh, these Alaska ones were, were fantastic as well. Um, yeah, everything that they sent was amazing. Your salmon burgers came out awesome. They were. They they were really good. And the recipe came right from the website and it was super simple. And so it's definitely they they hit all the marks on making it so easy for you to consume great seafood. And and I love it. Yeah, but what I like, so we did take we we did take definitely the salmon recipe. But what you did was you put it into um you made the burger smaller into sliders. Yeah, and honestly, yeah. like they looked so cute. It, it's like the perfect like appetizer to put out. Um, I would definitely do it actually again in that form rather than I mean you know if, if you wanted to throw a salmon burger on the grill, I mean it's definitely easy to do. But I, I love the sliders that you put together. Um, and then the halibut tacos, I always do my halibut um, on the oven in a pan and I just pan sear it. You know, sometimes I'll do 
some white wine, um, lots of butter. But uh, their recipe called just to put it in the oven for 400 degrees for like 12 to 15 minutes. And it was it was so easy and so good. It truly was a set it and forget it moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I use uh, the Alexa device. I'm like whispering because I don't want her to go off Um, in my house. And I I kept like wanting to in the office. We don't have that. I kept wanting to set the timer with Alexa and then it it never happened. And then I forgot about it. But we didn't overcook it. It was fantastic. And and now I have a new way of of cooking halibut. Yeah, Yeah. it was it was great. Yep. So keep an eye out for that video. Hopefully it's. It came out better than, than what I think. Well, we shouldn't talk it up so much because Maria might come back and be like, yeah, there's nothing I can do with this footage. <laughs> the middle of it, we had to have a kid bathroom break. It, it was just like it was it would all happen so fast. And it was all <laughs> it was all just crazy. But um, another craziness that <laughs> we've had some crazy news pop up in the past few weeks. But uh, this week really felt slow when it came to news. Um, but we do have, you know, there were some big headlines and, and we do have a couple of things to, to talk about this week. Um, for starters, Gordon's is facing a class action lawsuit that claims its frozen tilapia products have misled consumers because the products are labeled as sustainably sourced. So the 35 page complaint was filed on behalf of New York and California consumers, Jeffrey Allen Smindle and Kevin McCarthy in the U.S. District Court of Massachusetts on April 21st. The consumers argue that the fish are not sustainably sourced because they are products from fish farms in China. The complaint reads, the products are in fact not sustainably sourced, but instead made from tilapia industrially farmed using unsustainably unsustainable practices that are environmentally destructive and inhumane. The suit claims the seafood company is using false and deceptive marketing and caused consumers to pay prices they otherwise would not have. The complaint references survey data which found that consumers seek out and pay significantly more for products labeled as ecologically sustainable. That finding is consistent with research demonstrating that consumers are willing to pay to improve animal welfare and reduce undesirable environmental effects from fish farming. The plaintiffs are eyeing at least $5 million in damages. In other news, Alaska's Department of Fish and Game has released their final run forecasts and harvest projections for the 2022 Alaska salmon fisheries and review of the 2021 season. And once again, Bristol Bay is outdoing its own record of consistently massive returns. The forecast for the statewide total salmon return is lower than last year's by 800,000 salmon, but it doesn't retract from the forecasted run in the bay. The 2021 inshore Bristol Bay sockeye salmon run of 67.7 million fish is the largest total run on record, which is 64% above the 41.3 million average run for the last 20-year period. It was also the third time on record that the sockeye run exceeded 60 million fish. Last year's 42 million harvest was 15% above the 36.4 million fish preseason forecast and the third largest harvest on record. It was also the third time in the last four years that landings exceeded 40 million fish. This year's forecast is significantly higher yet, more than 75 million reds, uh, actually 75.27 million to be precise, are expected to return for a commercial harvest of 59.94 million. Uh, ADF&G says their forecasts over the last two decades have, on average, underforecast the run by 12% and have ranged from 44% below the actual run in 2014 to 19% above the actual run in 2011. 
Statewide pink salmon harvests are, not surprisingly, expected to be less than half of last year's odd-year harvest of 161.4 million at 67.2 million pinks. Most of those will be landed by Prince William Sound, Seine Fleet, about 25 million, including wild and hatchery reared, with 19.4 million forecasted catch in Kodiak and 16.5 million pinks caught in southeast Alaska. In addition to reds and pinks, the 2022 total commercial salmon harvest includes a projected statewide harvest of 310,000 Chinook salmon, 3.6 million coho, 15.4 million chum salmon, and that's 35,000 more Chinook, 800,000 more coho salmon, and 2.2 million more chum salmon. The Alaska all-species salmon harvest for 2021 totaled approximately 235 million fish, about 44.8 million more fish than the preseason forecast of 190.1 million fish. In other news, a Canadian federal court judge has ruled that former fisheries minister Bernadette Jordan's move to shut down all salmon farms operating out of the Discovery Islands was unlawful. Canadian publication Business in Vancouver explained that the court also found that Jordan had not observed an injunction that had been granted to salmon farmers, allowing them to continue stocking fish farms with baby salmon while the judicial review made its way through the court. The BC Salmon Farmers Association said it was encouraged by federal judge Elizabeth Hennigan's ruling to set aside Jordan's decision and uphold the prior injunction that allowed for the transfer of fish between hatcheries and farms. The association said in a statement that this is a positive development for the coastal indigenous and non-indigenous communities in which we operate and the thousands of family supporting jobs our sector sustains. We will be reaching out to First Nations in whose territories we operate to review this decision and we will have more to say in the following days and weeks ahead. The judge's ruling came down on April 22, 2022 just over 16 months after the DFO announced its plans to cut salmon farming licenses in Discovery Islands. Initially, Jordan said the intention was to phase out existing farming facilities in the region, with an 18-month period being the last time the area would be licensed, with farms set to be free of fish by June 30, 2022. The latest ruling stems from a lawsuit filed by members of the British Columbia salmon farming industry, including Maui Canada West, Cermak Canada, and Greek Seafood BC, in response to the decision to phase out salmon farming licenses in the region. And finally, in some business news, HF Foods Group, a distributor to Asian restaurants across the U.S., acquired all of the assets of Sealand Food, a seafood supplier to Asian Chinese restaurants across the East Coast, Per an April 25th announcement. Sealand is based in Richmond, Virginia, and has been in operation for 25 years, growing to be one of the largest suppliers in the region. According to HF Foods, 2022 run rate revenues are expected to approach $90 million. Sealand Services, a market that in includes 17 states along the East Coast, from Massachusetts to Florida, as well as Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Ohio, Kentucky, and Tennessee. HF Foods is headquartered in Las Vegas, Nevada, and markets fresh produce, frozen and dry food, and non-food products to primarily Asian or Chinese restaurants. The company owns 16 distribution centers throughout the country and is eyeing to expand its footprint with the increase in demand for Asian American restaurant cuisine. And in other news, Bumblebee Seafood announced in the last week that they have expanded their team with the addition of Sebastian Castro Malaspina as their new VP of National Grocery Accounts. 
He will be responsible for providing strategic leadership by utilizing category, customer, and consumer insight information to support the development and execution of effective and sustainable sales initiatives for the company. Finally, let's talk about Mother's Day. (laughs) What's your ideal day, Lauren? Um, Is it terrible to say being by myself and just like... Yes. Getting takeout and order, you know, and watching, catching up on terrible reality TV. <laughs> no, I think there's plenty of time for that in the day. I, I 100% agree with you. I, I'm on board with that. I think alone time is definitely important for me, but I also, I, I do want to spend some time, time with the girls. Um, but no, there's definitely a need for self-pampering and alone time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I know I was pleased to learn that spending for Mother's Day is expected to reach a record high this year. So it's expected to total $31.7 billion, uh, which is up $3.6 billion from 2021's record spending. So the average person is expected to spend $245.76, which is up from $220.48 that was spent in 2021. And a survey conducted by the National Retail Federation found that greeting cards, uh, which is like 75% of those surveyed, and flowers, uh, which consisted of 72% of surveyed people, are the top two gift categories, um, which, you know, no surprise there. But rounding at the third spot is special outings with 57% of the votes. So looking at data from OpenTable, those special outings likely include reservations at mom's favorite restaurant. OpenTable's data reveals that reservations are up 39% compared to pre-pandemic 2019 and up 13% compared to 2021. In their recent survey, they found that 45% of those celebrating Mother's Day this year plan on making up for lost time by going big for their mom. And after surveying moms, OpenTable's data found that 48% of moms want to dine out for Mother's Day. Dinner is always a popular option, but nearly half of diners report they are opting for a brunch this year. So what are your thoughts? Oof. So... Um, you know, you probably feel the same way. I'm at the stage of my life where going out for a meal stresses me out just because I don't know if the kids are going to make it through the entire thing. Exactly. <laughs> Which watch the watch us eat video and you'll understand. Yes. <laughs> it's just not enjoyable right now. But um, if that option was feasible for me, uh, I would definitely say I prefer brunch. Um, I have dreams about this oyster and grits brunch dish from a uh, from a restaurant at LBI that I got like years ago, like before I had kids. It was. I, I think you've talked about this on the podcast before. It's <laughs> called the Day Mark. It's in Barnegat Light. I had like a frozen Aperol spritz. It was so amazing. But the oyster and grits, it was like, it was just like the perfect bit of like salty and sweet. They had like a little, it was like a little maple syrup in there. But, um, you know, it obviously made a big impression on me. <laughs> That's the only thing I can talk about. <laughs> um, you know, we're likely just going to order in or maybe I'll have Tom cook up a, a fancy dinner of scallops or something. But what about you? You know, I think we're doing the same. Um, we're, we're in the same boat with bringing the kids out. It's it's not fun. <laughs> we don't get to enjoy. And, you know, you know, when you go out these days, you're going to be spending a lot because, you know, everything is so much more expensive. So we're not ready to commit to that yet. So I think, um, we still have some leftover premier catch, uh, seafood in the fridge. So we'll probably be, be, uh, cooking that up and, and hanging in. (laughs) Yeah. We always used to take my mom out for brunch when, when, uh, before we had kids, but now she doesn't even get that from us. So 
<laughs> I know, right? I know. And exactly. When is Mother's Day? When do like when does that transition to like when can you be selfish on Mother's Day? Because it's like, all right, we're going to go see my mom, going to go see his mom. And it's like, you know, is that leave the time for yourself. Right. Somebody let us know, please. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening. And we will see you back here next week. Bye. Bye.